Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. The loftier level of time and the lesser level of time. How do we know? Well, if we look at it, we see. And God said, and God made a division. The Bible says, and God divided the, the lights. And the scripture goes on to say, in the firmament of the heaven, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons. So now we're understanding the loftier level of time is signs and seasons, and for days and years, the lesser level of time. So, so many of us just concentrate on days and years. We don't understand the concept of signs and seasons. So we have completely eliminated in our Western culture and in our Gentile culture, we have completely eliminated the understanding of the loftier level of time because we only look at a lesser level of time, the time of days and the time of years. But tonight, I'm here to announce to you that through the blood of Jesus, it was bought on Calvary's cross that now you can enter into a loftier level of time. Somebody ought to say, I'm coming out of this dimension of just living for days and for years, and I'm coming into my prophetic purpose. I want you to see it again. I want you to, to know this is not Dr. Michelle Corral's message. This is not some revelation I pulled out of a hat. This is what the Word of God says. This is the Word of God. And we, as the Gentile people, have a tendency to look only at days and years. We look at days and we, 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 look, we look forward to days, but sometimes we dread days. And there's no destiny in a calendar of just days and years. We only have events that took place in the past or something that we're gonna look forward to in a chronological sense, but there's nothing that tells us this is a day of destiny or this is an appointed time or this is a supernatural season or this is what I've ordained for you at this time. Somebody got to know that there is a loftier level of time that God wants to give to his people. Touch your neighbor and say the division between the two levels of time. Loftier level of time, signs and seasons. Lower level of time, days and years. Can I get a witness somewhere? Now, I'm, I'm going to prove that to you from the Word of God because as you see it, hallelujah, and as, as you look at it, we're going to look at what, what it actually means. So we're looking at the word, and we're seeing here in verse 14, the scripture says, and let them be for signs. And that word signs 
is the word wath, which is literally a word that is used, hallelujah, in the Hebrew language, and it is used as a miraculous marker, something that marks the miraculous. For example, when the Lord told Moses, you're going to strike the doorpost, and this blood shall be a what? It shall be a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. There's something miraculous in the sense when you say a wuth. It, is, it has something to do with a marker. And what the wuth usually does in Hebrew is, in this sense, it means to verify a message. So the first reason God created time was so that there would be signs that would verify the message of the gospel. I hope somebody's here today. So the heavens have within them, and we need to understand, and, and the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and time itself is a dispenser that verifies the message that was spoken years before, that when it comes to pass, we will understand that God created time to be a vehicle of verification for the message. It verifies the miraculous message of everything that God said. Somebody ought to give God the praise. And if time has already been right throughout the ages, and time certainly has been a vehicle of verification. If time was right concerning Cyrus, Cyrus was born 200 years after, when God said 200 years prior to his birth, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, he even said his name. And if time was not wrong, time was accurate. And if time was not wrong concerning the death of John the Baptist, and concerning the life of John the Baptist, in Isaiah 40, some 750 years before Christ, before John the Baptist, that Isaiah chapter 40 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, prepare ye the way of the Lord, a voice crying in the wilderness. And then time, being a vehicle of verification, carries out, and John the Baptist is born years later. Because why? Time was created in its highest, loftiest level to verify. It is a mess. It is a vehicle of verification for the message of the Word of God. That is the highest, loftiest level of time. Let them be for signs. And the scripture also says, and for seasons. What are seasons? Not climate. Time was not created just to tell us the climate. That is not what this means in Genesis 1.14. And let them be for signs and for seasons. The word seasons here in Hebrew is the word mo'edim. Say it with me. Mo'edim. And if we look at the word mo'edim, the word mo'edim means feast. So let them be for signs and for feasts. So the feasts come before the days and the year. The feasts are in that supernatural segment of time. That is the loftier level of time. Somebody ought to say it's a loftier level of time. It's a supernatural segment of time. It's not in the time zone of days and years. It's not in a lower level of calculation. 
his word. It's what he told us that he created time for. So we see, dear people of God, let them be for signs, which is the worth, which actually is a vehicle, a verification for the message, a miraculous marker or memorial. And we are understanding that this is the whole purpose why God created time. So the first two for signs and for seasons, and that word seasons being translated from English to Hebrew is the word in this text, moedim, moedim, which is the very specific word that is used for the biblical feasts. Let them be for signs and for seasons, not climate. Let them be for signs and for the times that I'm going to meet with my people. Let them be, let time be created as a miraculous marker that my people will know when they have a date with destiny. That my people will know when I'm going to shift the season for them. That my people will know that they're not always going to stay stuck in this cycle. That my people will know that I'm about to bring them out and I'm about to close a chapter in their life and I'm about to bring them into a supernatural place of power and predestined purpose. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. So now that we understand this, and we understand this concept, and we also understand that we received it through the blood of Jesus, we need to understand, and very quickly I say this every single time, and I have to say it just in case there are those who are brand new to this ministry or brand new to the concept that what I'm teaching so that no one will say, Dr. Corral, are you trying to make us all um, Hebrew? And I'm going to tell you, first of all, I don't have to try to make you Hebrew. You've already been made Hebrew through the blood of Jesus. But I want you to understand that we as Gentiles, we have a, we, we come, we have access to every promise that God gave to Israel. We have access to every promise without the curse. Touch your neighbor and say, I have access to every promise without the curse because Christ became my curse. Hallelujah. So that means I can receive as I am a recipient of these precious promises that God gave to Israel without the curse. Remember, verse 11 says, that you being in past times were Gentiles. Touch your neighbor and say, I used to be a Gentile, but my status changed. Say this with me. In the eyes of God, I no longer keep the status of a Gentile. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision, hallelujah, were Gentiles. Verse 12, that at that time when you were without Christ, being aliens, that means strangers or Gentiles, it's all the same synonymous word and meaning. Verse 12, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens or Gentiles from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers or aliens or Gentiles from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, touch your neighbor and say, my status changed. But now I have access to every promise that God gave to Israel. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. 
the Bible says, but now you who were sometime afar off are made nigh through the blood of Christ, verse 14, for he is our peace who has made us both one. What are we talking about making us both one? Making Gentile and Jew one through the blood of Jesus. That means I have access to every promise. Before Christ, I couldn't celebrate Rosh Hashanah. Before Christ, I had no access into destiny or dates with destiny. I had no time period of any hope in my future. But now because of the blood, I'm washed in the blood, saved by the blood, bought by the blood. But I'm also delivered for destiny because of the blood. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Now, the first personal promise of Rosh Hashanah that I'm going to share with you today, and I'm going to just share two of them. I'm going to share two personal promises of Rosh Hashanah and the supernatural significance of seven today with you. And the very first personal promise of Rosh Hashanah is the supernatural significance of stopping the cycle. Say it with me, stopping the cycle. I'm praying tonight. Yes, hallelujah. So many of you that have been in this cycle for so long, been in it for years and you can't break out of it. You've been asking God and you've been saying, God, when's it going to change? You've done everything in your power. You've prayed. Some of you have tried new friends, changed things around your environment changed churches, changed everything, changed as many things as you could possibly change, but nothing has really changed. Tonight, our prayer, our belief, our hope, our faith is for you tonight, you are breaking out of this thing. You are not staying stuck here another day. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not staying stuck here another day. I'm breaking out into who God called me to be. In a personal prophetic sense of scripture, seven is the symbol of things coming to an end. And that's what we're praying for today. Our prayer is that every person that came in this door tonight would have an anointing on their life from hearing the word, that the word is so going to anoint you that things are going to automatically come to an end that need to come to an end. Because you've been in this thing way too long. Touch your neighbor and say, I've been in this thing way too long and it's just got to come to an end. The cycle's just got to stop. I've just got to get off this merry-go-round and I can't go around this mountain another two years. In a personal prophetic sense of scripture, seven is the symbol of things coming to an end. Seven is the symbol of something being final, something being finished. Hallelujah. Look at Genesis chapter 2, looking at verse 1, and as we're speaking right now, the word of God is going out and things are coming to an end. There's some abuse coming to an end. There's some thinking that's coming to an end. There's even some behavior patterns in us that have got to come to an end because because the way we think has held us back from getting to the next level. And we've just got to get past the pain. We've got to get past the immaturity.
maturity. It's just got to come to an end because we got to get on with our destiny. Can I get a witness somewhere? Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the context conveys how seven is the symbol of things coming to an end. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, and the heavens and the earth were thus finished. Say it with me, finished. finished. And the host of them, verse 2, and on the seventh day God ended. Say this with me, in the seven, God ended. Say this with me, Father God, I believe that what you did in the first seven, you've already shown us in your word, in Leviticus 23, verse three, that in the first seventh, the first seventh is also in every seventh, in every seventh, every biblical feast. And when you ended on the first seventh, I believe you're gonna bring some things to an end in this seventh, come on, in this seventh, some things are gonna come to an end. God, finish your work, finish your work of trial, that your people have gone through trials, tribulations, finish what you wanted to do and what you set to do in their lives in the past few years, the past few weeks, the past few months, the past season. Bring it to an end, oh God, bring it to an end in the name of Jesus. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work. Hallelujah. And he blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it, he made a deposit, a divine deposit, because in it, again, it was a receptacle of his divine deposit because in it, he had rested from all that he had created and made. In a personal prophetic sense of scripture, dear people of God, probably the closest thing that we can come to in terms of understanding what it means for things to come to an end is looking at the very first chapter in the book of Joshua. So I'd like you to turn with me, please, to Joshua chapter 1, because Joshua chapter 1 in it, in Joshua chapter 1, is a prophetic parallel of how the symbol of seven stops the cycle. Uh, Joshua chapter one takes place after a huge cycle has stopped, hallelujah. Uh, on the seventh day, hallelujah, that this is gonna be proclaimed. What, what God is about to tell Joshua is taking place on the first day, on the seventh day of the first month. And I want you to see what God is saying, hallelujah, to Joshua, because the scripture is showing us in Joshua chapter one, that it is a reflection of the perfection of how things come to an end. The season shifts and the cycle stops. Say this with me, the season shifts and the cycle stops. Hallelujah. Let's look at Joshua chapter one and we are gonna see in Joshua chapter one, the scripture says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Mo Nun, Moses' minister. Now everything's about to change. Everything's about to shift. Nothing's gonna be the same again. These words that you're about to read took place on the seventh day. The fact that they took place on the seventh day is a prophetic parallel 
symbolic symbol of what takes place in the seventh, so that you will understand when the seventh month comes. Seven is always repeated in the scripture, that what God did in Joshua chapter 1, on the first day of the seventh month, God can also do in the seventh month on the first day. Because wherever there is a seven, you need to understand that seven is the supernatural symbol in the word of God that things are coming to an end. Somebody got to give God the praise because on the seventh day, God ended his work. So now we're understanding that there is a prophetic parallel and how seven stops the cycle. It is a prophetic parallel of how things are coming to an end. And in a literal sense of scripture, the events of Joshua chapter one take place on the seventh day of the first month. Rosh Hashanah is the, the, the seventh month on the first day. So you have like opposites, or not opposites, certainly not opposites, but you have uh, inverted numbers. You have, in Joshua, you have the first month and the seventh day, and on Rosh Hashanah, you have the seventh month and the first day. So there are very strong similarities. In a personal prophetic sense of scripture, I want you to see this. Joshua chapter one being taking place literally in the time clock of the first month in the seventh day of the month and Rosh Hashanah literally in the time clock taking place in the seventh month on the first day of the month. Both prophetically parallel how seven is the symbol of things coming to an end and the symbol of the cycle stopping. Hallelujah. Throughout the biblical record, dates always coincide with destiny. Say this with me. Throughout the biblical record, dates always coincide with destiny. So throughout the Bible, dates are not just given to us as a chronological calculation of the calendar, but dates are given to us in the Bible to prove the power of providence. Hallelujah. And to see the hidden hand of God orchestrating and coordinating his divine purpose for his people behind the scenes. Can I get a witness somewhere? Let's look, if you will, and I want you to see how these events in Joshua chapter 1 take place on the seventh day. The Bible says in Joshua 1, 11, pass through this host and command the people saying, prepare you victuals for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan and possess the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess it. Now compare it in context because the Lord is telling Joshua, three days from now, you're going to be crossing over. And so if God gave him that word in three days, you're going to cross over, then they would be crossing over on the 10th day if God spoke to them on the seventh day. So if God has given all the words of Joshua chapter one on the seventh day, and God is saying, you're going to cross over on the three days from now. Then three days from now would have to be the 10th day. If God was giving these promises to Joshua in Joshua chapter one on the seventh day. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Go with me to Joshua chapter four, verse 19. 
And the Bible says, and the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. So if you do the mathematics, which are very simple, when God told Joshua in three days, you're going to cross over, and they crossed over on the 10th, then that means Joshua chapter 1 begins on the seventh day. So now you're seeing that the seventh day is a prophetic prefiguring of coming out of the wilderness. The seventh day is a day that old things are passing away and some things have died, and now we're coming into a new supernatural segment of time, a new time in biblical history, a new time in your destiny somebody's got to shout so we see dear people of God the first prophetic promise of Joshua chapter 1 which took place on the seventh day God is giving the promises to Joshua on the seventh day. So that means what God told Joshua is relevant for you on Rosh Hashanah in the seventh month because they're all synonymous with the seventh. The first personal promise that shows us the supernatural significance of the seventh in Joshua 1 is the wandering in the wilderness is about to end. Touch your neighbor and say, this is what Rosh Hashanah. The wandering in the wilderness in my life is about to end. Can I get a witness here? Somebody's been wandering in the wilderness for 20 years. There are some of you that say, I don't have any direction. I don't know where I'm going. I've just had a promise, and I don't have any direction for that promise. I don't have any vision behind that promise. I'm carrying a word, but I don't know what God's going to do with it. But I'm here today to tell you that God says, your wandering in the wilderness is about to end. When God gave Joshua the word, God said, there shall not any man stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. The time with Moses has come to an end. Closing the chapter. Time is over. And you can't think that anything is going to be like it used to be because it's all brand new. Touch your neighbor and say, I've got to get myself mentally prepared for Rosh Hashanah so that when the new thing comes, I don't try to go back to the old thing. Hello, somebody. Touch your neighbor and say, I have to be spiritually mature enough not to be addicted to what's familiar in my life. I've got to be able to step into the unfamiliar because what God's about to do is unfamiliar. And for those of us that have been addicted to abuse, it's going to be a very unfamiliar thing not to have that abuse in our life. And it's going to be a very unfamiliar thing to be the head and not the tail. It's going to be a very unfamiliar thing to go in and take possession of the promises. But you better get yourself together. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed 
or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.